If you love this podcast and love easy and informative CEUs, then this is the deal for you. SpeechTherapyPD.com has over 175 hours of pod courses on demand with an average of 19 new pod courses released each month. You can get ASHA continuing ed credit for every episode you listen to. And because I think you're terrific, I can offer $20 off a year's subscription when you use my code SUP20 for the insanely low rate of $59. I am Leanne Porter, the host of the Speech Uncensored podcast, and I'm delighted to present today's guests. I have two today. Julie Catio and Katie Seaver are joining me to discuss Julie's Project Euphonia. Julie and Katie do such an amazing job sharing the research project that Google is doing to improve speech recognition's ability to understand dysarthric speech. I mean, they talk about like machine learning, AI, like all kinds of fun things that are like well outside my experience level. But it's so interesting and it's so cool to see how they're making this project work. It's such a massive undertaking that is so inspiring and I wanted to share their work with you because we as SLPs have a role to play as well. You'll learn how SLPs can contribute to this work. And please forgive my botched welcome at the very beginning of their episode. I'm not used to having two guests on at the same time and clearly I need to practice. I might have been a little bit intimidated. It's like all fancy and stuff. Okay, but the rest of the episode is terrific. So enjoy. All right. Hello, Julie and Katie. How are you two doing today? Hi. Yeah, hi. (laughs) I know. I really didn't set that up very well, did I? I was like, hmm, let's both talk at the same time. All right, so we have both Julie and Katie on, and we're going to be starting with Julie to answer some questions and help us learn more about Google's Project Euphonia. So Julie, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and give them a little bit of background about um, who you are and what it is that you do? Sure, yeah, Uh, and uh, thanks so much for for having us. Um, My name is Julie. I'm a product manager at uh, Google. And I, I work in the organization called Google AI within Google. Um, this is the core research team. Uh, we focus on applying artificial intelligence to solving a variety of problems. Um, and uh, so me in particular, um, I, I work on Project Euphonia, uh, which uh, goal is to leverage research in artificial intelligence to make it easier for people who have uh, speech impairments to communicate. Um, and, you know, uh, since since I introduced myself um, to you, prior to that, I was also um, the product manager for the Google Translate mobile apps for a few years. Uh, so what I'm really interested in is uh, to, to leverage technologies to allow people to communicate with one another and, you know, see how technology can make that uh, easier for everyone. Excellent. All right. Tell me a little bit more specifically about Project Euphonia and its place within Google's AI. So as I uh, just mentioned, we're part of the Google AI research group uh, within Google. And uh, our our focus is to leverage some of the research that's being done at Google uh, and apply it to 
uh, enabling communication for people who have uh, speech impairments. Um, so um, maybe it might be helpful for me to, to give you a little bit of context about what we mean by AI first. So uh, AI or artificial intelligence um, is the study of how we can make computers more uh, intelligent. Uh, I think since, since the very early days of computer science, uh, people have been trying to figure out how we can make computers more intelligent and essentially use them to uh, make tasks that uh, you know, people are capable of doing. Uh, so it's, it's a very broad uh, space and um, there has been important breakthroughs brought recently by what we call machine learning. So uh, machine learning is a, a particular field of computing where instead of teaching an algorithm some very precise rules, uh, instead we let the algorithm learn from real world examples. Um, so one example I like to use because it's very practical and I think everybody uh, can relate to it is uh, spammy emails. Um, so yeah, as you probably know, Google has an email service, Gmail, uh, and uh, you know people who use um, uh, email services every day know that you sometimes receive spammy emails. Uh, and uh, one of the problems that Google tried to solve a few years ago is how uh, can we automatically get rid of the spammy emails on, on behalf of users so that they don't receive them in their inbox? And um, the initial approach was what we call rule-based, which means that um, uh, we wrote some logic that says, uh, you know, for example, okay, if the email contains uh, a word that is part of this specific list of offensive words, treat it as spam. Uh, and this is a, a good approach, but um, people who craft the spammy emails may come up with new words to put in the emails and, uh, you know, your algorithm may become obsolete after a while. So um, uh, what we tried instead at Google is to ask users to flag when they receive a spammy email. And then we use these as examples uh, for what a spammy email looks like. Uh, and uh, this can be used as what we call training data in order to continuously uh, get better and better at detecting the spam. So this is a more robust approach because uh, even if the, the keywords that are being used in the emails evolve over time, uh, as long as we get enough examples, um, Gmail can continue to flag spammy emails. And that's, that's an example of what we mean by machine learning because um, the technology learns by looking at examples you know, similar to how people do actually. Uh, and the rules are learned automatically by the algorithm without engineers having to literally, you know, spell them out. Um, so that's one example. There's many other examples. One that's very famous is um, cats and dogs photographs. Um, uh, technology, uh, you know, algorithms have become very good at detecting what is on a picture. And uh, for example, distinguishing between a cat and a dog. And the principle is the same. Uh, if, if you have enough real world examples of photos of cats and dogs, together with labels, um, you can teach an algorithm to recognize them without, uh, know, without having seen the picture um, yet. And uh, when you speak to your phone or to your Google Home, um, your mobile device understands what you're saying. And this is also using machine learning, very similar techniques. 
except that uh, instead of looking at pictures, we look at the um, audio, you know, the, uh, the speech, what people say together with their transcription. So in order to recognize words, uh, we use machine learning algorithms that learn from lots and lots of examples of speech recordings together with their transcriptions. Um, for the Google Assistant, for example, we used tens of millions of speech samples from uh, people. And um, it works really well in 90% uh, of cases. It should understand uh, what you're saying, but uh, it doesn't work very well at all for people who have speech impairments because we don't have many examples um, of, of you know, how they sound. And so that's, that's the purpose and the goal of our project. Uh, we're trying to bridge that gap and to make speech recognition work better for people who have speech impairments. And it all starts by finding examples um, of how people sound. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So I really like that the, the application for this is having someone with a speech impairment um, being able to use like a Google Home and that it would understand their speech and do the task that it's requested of them. So I think that's really cool that it's like allowing access to these technologies that would otherwise be inaccessible to them. Yeah, that's right. The, yeah, I, I agree. And also, you know, if you think about assistive tools like Google Assistant or Google Home, um, you know, uh, they, they could be very particularly helpful for people who have certain uh, medical conditions uh, and, you know, potentially give them more independence, you know, by being able to do certain tasks at home that they may not be able to do by themselves otherwise. Uh, so I think that, um, uh, yeah, it would be great if people who have these kinds of medical conditions like ALS or MS or CP could actually, uh, you know, use their own voice to enable these tools. And uh, yeah, that's that's a, a, a big motivation for the project. Um, another one is uh, uh, live communication with other people. Uh, you know, if you if you think about it, if speech recognition was working reliably for people who have speech impairments, they may be able to also use it to interpret their speech and allow them to speak with another person. Um, so these are the two scenarios that really motivate us to make this work uh, and uh, that we're hoping to enable for, you know, as many people as, as we can. So who came up with this idea and identified this need? Uh, yeah, so the, the, the very origin of the project is um, <clears throat> there's a, a team at Google that was collaborating with uh, an organization called ALS TDI in Boston. Um, and so in particular, Michael Brenner, who is the research lead on Project Euphonia, was in initially interested in detecting signs of ALS um, in recordings of people's speech. Um, and so as Michael was working with um, Fernando and other people at ALS TDI, they realized that, you know, we could actually do more than that. And maybe we could leverage some of the recent improvements in speech recognition that has been done within Google um, to help people who have ALS uh, communicate more easily. 
And so even though it all started with detecting signs of ALS, we now actually expanded the project to look into speech recognition. And not only for people who have ALS, uh, but also people who have other kinds of neurologic conditions that can cause uh, speech impairments. So that's how it all started about a year and a half ago. And since then, the team has uh, grown within Google and um, we've been focused on um, recording speech samples from people with a variety of conditions and also running some research uh, in, in machine learning to try to understand how and to what extent we can improve speech recognition for these people. That's awesome. So how are you collecting voice samples? Because um, I got to hear your presentation at ASHA and you talked about the need for a, like a certain amount of voice samples, I think maybe. Um, that was a, a while ago, so my brain's a little fuzzy, so feel free to fill in those details. <laughs> how many or how do you go about collecting the voice samples? Yeah, sure. Um, so we actually rely on individual people um, to participate and uh, participate and share their speech samples with us. Um, so we have a website which is available at g.co forward slash euphonia. And when someone signs up to our interest form, uh, we then follow up with instructions on how to use ChitChat. Uh, so ChitChat is a web tool that was developed within Google. And uh, it's a simple interface that prompts phrases uh, and uh, ask users to, to record them, essentially. Um, and so people can take as much time as they want to complete the tasks. Um, we give away gift cards to people who record a certain number of phrases uh, to, to thank them for their efforts. And, um, and we, we also start the chit chat process with a short 30 phrases long task, uh, which are uh, phrases that uh, Jordan Green, who is uh, um, Dr. Jordan Green, who works with us in the Euphonia team, and Katie Siever, uh, who is uh, um, uh, all, you know, also here today, uh, have put together uh, to, to help us assess the kind of uh, speech profile that uh, an individual has so that we can then um, you know, decide on what tasks to give them and uh, how to analyze the data. In the, in the speech recordings. Um, and so, yeah, it all starts with a, a short task of 30 phrases. And then depending on each individual, we uh, send more phrases to, to record. Um, but yeah, it all starts, we, we work with individuals and it all starts with uh, our website and the interest form that people fill out. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely have a link to that in our show notes so that they can get in touch and sign up if they're interested. Um, so who would make a good candidate to participate in Project Euphonia? Oh, yeah. So um, we're currently um, uh, recording voice, uh, speech samples from people who speak English, who are able to um, read some English prompts, who are above 18 and who have some kind of speech impairment that make it difficult for them to be well understood either by other people or by their phone. Um, so everyone is, uh, who, who, you know, uh, correspond to this criteria is a good candidate for us. Uh, but currently our priority has been around, um, people with ALS, uh, Down syndrome, multiple sclerosis, cerebral palsy, um, strokes, um, but 
we're actually um, opening up our data collection to uh, other conditions as well. Um, so yeah, uh, these are the criteria for the program. I love that you're starting off with um, a progressive neurological disease, you know, that's going to deteriorate over time, like nothing stable. <laughs> like it almost seems like it would be easier for a machine to learn or to learn these new rules over something that maybe doesn't change much, but something like um, ALS will continue to change over time. So like, yay for taking on a really challenging task. That's awesome. Yeah, you're right. I think we were, we realized this as well. <laughs> Uh, but um, at the same time, uh, we we our hope is that we can uh, you know positively impact the life of people uh, who contribute to our efforts. And um, so you know, uh, in that regard, we think it's important that we work with people with ALS. Um, and also, uh, sometimes we say that if you can solve the most difficult problem first, then uh, you know, may, hopefully the rest is. Uh, easier, um, but but you're right. You're absolutely right that uh, ALS is uh, extremely challenging um, because when we train a machine learning model to recognize someone's voice, uh, th there is of course the risk that their voice will change over time and that the the recognizer will not work as well. Uh, so yeah, this is something that we're active actively working on and trying to to um, you know understand better and and solve for. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a big challenge for us. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes this project like so interesting and encouraging and just like amazing that, you know, it's going for like the most challenging type of speech impairment that will change over time. So that's really awesome. All right. So how can SLPs um, support Project Euphonia? Um, I'm in my head, I'm imagining, you know, them just increasing their awareness that it's there and encouraging patients that they think might be interested in checking out the website. Yeah, um, that, that's right. Uh, one thing I, I, um, I want to talk a little bit about is that um, Project Euphonia is a research initiative. And at this stage, we're um, reaching out to individuals to um, share their speech samples with us for the uh, purpose of, you know, running this research and making improvements to speech recognition. But we don't, as of today, have something that basically works. <laughs> so um, I think for SLPs who are willing to uh, spread the word about the project, I think it's important to, um, you know, set the expectations that uh, at this point, uh, we're, we're, you know, um, welcoming, uh, you know, people sharing their, their speech uh, samples, but we don't yet have uh, any product. Uh, so I think it is important to uh, make clear. And um, yeah, I think uh, if, if LSLPs wanted to support the project, I think the, the way to go about that is to um, visit our website um, and uh, encourage uh, people who have speech impairments to sign up or at least, you know, spread the word and, and talk about the project and maybe also help um, people record their phrases, uh, you know, understand how to uh, use the, the chit chat tool and uh, for people who need support, um, help them do that. Um, another way to be involved is we have a survey on uh, our website. If you go to the tab that says get involved, um, there's a link to a survey which is specifically designed for SLPs. 
Um, and so uh, any SLP can fill it out and then we'll have their email address and we might get in touch uh, in the future for opportunities or uh, communication about the project. Um, we also have a, an email, which is euphonia-project at google.com. And uh, anyone can reach out to us, uh, you know, with questions or suggestions about the project. So that's another way to, to get involved, uh, you know, uh, for, for SLPs who, who have ideas on how to collaborate. Awesome. That's great. Um, and I'm so glad that you pointed out that this 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 is not a product that's ready or that's available out there, that this is very much in the research stage and that you're still learning how all of this works together and that you, you to make it work, you need the language samples, the speech samples. And so that's a, kind of another big part of what this podcast and this episode is for, is to get that information out there so that we can support this research so that in the future, there will be a product that we could use with our patients to help them connect in their lives and be more enriched and independent in whatever way that that technology can support them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And um, yeah, we're, we're trying to be um, as clear as possible about uh, at which stage we are at currently, because, um, you know, usually uh, products that are being developed at Google are not announced until, you know, they are actually ready to work and available. But um, on this project, we actually need everybody's help. Uh, and, and we actually rely on people to um, share their speech samples with us for this to be even possible. And so uh, that, that was the motivation for publicly announcing the, the project and, you know, talking about it at ASHA, for example, and also talking about it in this podcast. Uh, but, uh, but the reality is that there's still a lot of work to do. Uh, and, um, and, you know, uh, I think it's important to, to, uh, to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. um, when you look into the future, do you have an idea? Is it even possible to generate an idea of when, there, when this tool might be available for public use? Um, so we don't have a date uh, in mind. Our team is really um, working hard to, to make, you know, uh, something work as soon as possible. Um, but we currently um, rely, uh, we, we, we basically need more uh, speech samples uh, to be able to, to run a meaningful research initiative. So we're starting to experiment with the recordings that we have as of today. Um, but really, what would really help is to, to get more uh, speech samples and more examples from, uh, you know, a variety of uh, speech impairment, different profiles of speech. Uh, this this would really help tremendously um, make this a reality. And um, so for now, uh, we don't really have a date because we we first need to you know have a, a significant enough um, uh, you know um, data set uh, for us to even uh, be able to work on this. And then we also need to experiment and um, see how much. Uh, better we can make speech recognition. And so there's still a lot of work to do, essentially. And uh, we don't have a date yet. Uh, yeah, the only thing I can tell you is that we're we're doing our best and we're really all uh, very passionate about making this work uh, as soon as possible. Awesome. Well, before we transition over to Katie Siever, 
Um, I wanted to ask you if you could um, briefly mention the YouTube video that was released under the Age of AI. It's the second episode, and it is specifically about Project Euphonia. So. Oh yeah. Uh, the, so yeah. By the way, the episode is about Project Euphonia and also another project from the uh, Google Health uh, group. So um, uh, about uh, another topic that's also very interesting. But both topics are covered in the episode. And so uh, uh, yeah, we did this video as part of the um, YouTube original series Age of AI, and um, uh, initially. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the origin of Project Euphonia is a partnership with ALSTDI. And um, people from ALSTDI uh, introduced us to Tim Shaw, who is a former NFL player who has ALS. And so Tim was interested in uh, seeing if he could use uh, some past recordings of his voice that he had from you know, radio shows, interviews, um, all kinds of footage of himself that he had really from his career as an NFL player and seeing if this footage could be repurposed to um, recreating the way his voice sounds, uh, you know, so that eventually, hopefully, he could use that to communicate when, um, you know, when the time comes, when he, he will need it. And so, uh, the, you know, we started working with Tim on this in collaboration with the DeepMind team and Google AI teams, who are uh, teams within Google who have done some research around uh, voice imitation and synthesis. And so, um, and yeah, so the movie is about our collaboration with Tim, really, and how we both use this voice, uh, these speech samples to um, train a speech recognizer to understand the words he says. And on the other hand, we also use some um, voice recordings uh, to, to recreate the way his voice sounds. Um, so we did that work with Tim over the course of uh, uh, you know, a few months. And then we, we filmed the video earlier this year uh, in May. So this captures the video captures uh, pretty well what the Project Euphonia is about, and specifically with the example of, of Tim, who has ALS, and uh, who is um, testing uh, for the very first time the prototypes that we've built for him. Um, so yeah, I, I encourage uh, everyone to watch it if you're interested in learning more. Yeah, me too. It's a very inspiring video, and I think really showcases the work that you guys are doing and have done to launch this and kind of what the, the whole picture is looking at. Um, on a side note, just have a little box of tissues handy because it's like a really beautiful moving story. <laughs> Other than that, it's an excellent video and really kind of showcases everything that we're talking here today about and more. Like you mentioned, the partnership with the DeepMind team and creating um, Tim's voice synthesis project. So that was really cool. All right, um, Julie, anything else you wanted to mention before we switch over and speak with Katie? Um, no, I think we, we covered um, what I wanted to talk about. I would just say that, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, I wanted to just introduce Katie actually and, and uh, speak a little bit about uh, how, you know, she's been helping on this project um, uh, in the, you know, on the very early uh, days of Project Euphonia, uh, the, the team was uh, only 
you know, product manager like me, uh, engineers and research scientists, which is helpful for the machine learning part uh, of the project. But we we didn't understand, uh, you know, the exact user needs and how the technology could be helpful. And uh, we were very fortunate to meet um, Katie uh, last year. Uh, um, you know, at the facility where she works um, uh, in, in Massachusetts. And uh, uh, Katie, from the very early stage of the project, has been helping us really understand how the technology can be applied to being as helpful as possible, um, you know, to people who have uh, speech impairments. And so, uh, yeah, we're very lucky that she's part of our team. And I don't think we could have... Um, uh, you know, shape the project this way without her help. So, uh, yeah, just uh, want to introduce Katie uh, because she'll be too modest to tell you that. <laughs> that was excellent. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for setting that up because that's exactly true. Um, and that's what I really am excited to hear more about Katie from because, yeah, she's our speech and language pathologist representative partnering with a bunch of scientists and engineering smart people in a field that I know nothing about. <laughs> and so representing that and making sure that like the technology that they're creating is applicable to this population that they're creating it for, like that's pretty important. So, all right, Katie, um, um, I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners and give them a little bit of background about what you do um, as well as your role on the project. Sure, um, Julie, thank you for your kind words. That was. Is very flattering. Um, so I have been a speech pathologist for 16 years now. Um, I started out and ended up at the Inglis House in Philadelphia, where there was a large population of people that were young. I think the average age was about 45. And I found that people were left without any communication. And um, during my CF, I partnered with the local AAC representatives and um, found my passion sort of right out of the gate to give people this gift of AAC. Um, I, the contract, unfortunately, ended for me there. And I um, decided to take a couple of years in acute rehab to get a better uh, foundation of speech pathology in the adult world. Um, it worked really well for me. I did two years in a, a unit for TBI and two years in a unit for strokes um, at the acute rehab setting. And then I neither of those facilities wanted to pursue AAC. So I had to sort of leap out and get back into AAC. And I actually found a uh, an ad at, for Easter Seals of Massachusetts who took me on board to open up their assistive technology regional center and work on their AAC team. So Easter Seals in Massachusetts covers all ages and it was a, a, just a massive dive in learning curve um, to, to make this career choice that AAC was going to be my path. Um, in 2010, the Leonard Florence Center for Living opened in Chelsea, Massachusetts, um, through a collaboration with Chelsea Jewish Life Care and the ALS Residence Initiative. Um, I had been working per diem for them for a few years, and when I heard they were opening the specialty house, I realized that they they needed an SLP, that they didn't have a full time SLP, and they needed someone with AAC experience. 
Um, at first they were like, no, we're fine. And then about a month later, they, they said, oh my goodness. Okay. Can you <laughs> please come help us? So it has been awesome to work at the Leonard Florence Center. Um, so the ALS Residence Initiative uh, created 14 beds for folks that have ALS in private rooms. And about, there's 10 private rooms for folks that have MS, multiple sclerosis. So um, they also have standard long-term care and about 30 short-term care residents uh, that are coming through. So it's kind of the perfect fit. Like I get a little bit of everything. Um, I'm able to, to stay within my passion with AAC and stay fresh in all of the short-term rehab cases. Nice. That does sound pretty ideal. Like nice fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel I left for a little while after I had my kiddos and, um, you know, went back very quickly. <laughs> um, so can you tell me um, a little bit more about your role in Project Euphonia? Sure. Um, so right now it's myself and there's two other SLPs who are contracted to help this team navigate a a huge variety of communication impairments that lead to accessibility issues. And as Julie said, this um, project was initiated with people with ALS in mind and, and grew from there. Um, I joined when Julie and her team met Steve Sailing, who founded the ALS residence, and they came to the Leonard Florence Center for a tour, and um, he introduced me to them. And during conversations, it was felt that regular input from the SLP community and especially related to AAC would be really useful for this team. Um, and no one had any idea, really. Like Google had doesn't hire speech therapists. So, <laughs> and, and so there was, and I don't code. I don't have the, the knowledge that would be helpful for the rest of uh, Google products, but they offered, I offered them my time. And they asked uh, for me to contribute as a contractor. So more about... Um... That's so interesting. Like, I love how you kind of explained how that all worked together. Because I do love, in one instance, I love finding out how people get into the field. It's a really interesting thing of circumstances for each person. But then also how people find themselves in different types of jobs or opportunities. And partnering with um, Google's project, Euphonia, you know, is one really awesome experience that an SLP can have on a larger um, area outside of our field that impacts our field. So I love hearing that, you know, they were visiting the site, learning more about it, having a conversation like, yeah, we could use some input that would be helpful. And that's how it happened. Like, I love that. A lot of speech therapists at ASHA were asking me, like, how do I make that transition in my career? How do I help also? And, you know, the only thing I could say to them was, it build a good background in your, in your field, you know, get some, a great foundation. I feel like my biggest, you know, gain in my early years as an SLP was taking learning experiences. And so now I feel like I kind of know what to do in situations when I run into different speech impairments or um, different types of clients, you know, and then I can be a good resource to another group of people. Yeah. I love that. Um, so earlier, 
we talked about how you partnered with um, Dr. Jordan Green to create uh, the initial 30 phrases um, that the participants would record for the voice samples. So that seems like one of the areas um, that you've kind of contributed on this project. Uh, can you tell me more about that and some of the other areas that you're lending your expertise as an SLP? Sure. Um, so the original 30 phrases that people um, share with us, I listen to weekly with Dr. Jordan Green, and I set, we separate them into a series of metrics. So the team um, is, is trying to learn how to navigate the, the broad scope of speech impairments. So I might listen to them and say, you know what, this person was just testing out the chit chat and they actually sound like me. They have a very normal speech. So I'll say they should not proceed there within normal limits. Um, otherwise, I say that if they have mild to mod dysarthria, they'll proceed and receive over 1,700 phrases in the initial set. If they're, and then if they complete those phrases, they can have even more after that. Uh, if they're in a profound state of dysarthria, then we'll choose maybe a smaller set of shorter phrases that, um, and encourage people to uh, donate or sorry, share their speech samples on their own time. They, there's no schedule or race or rush for people to contribute if they can only share five a day on chit chat, then that's how they should be encouraged to participate. Um, there's at this point, there isn't um, anybody that we're excluding in these metrics. Um, we are just ruling out anyone that speaks English, but with an accent without a speech impairment. So a lot of people are asking, I speak English, but I have a, you know, a French accent. Can I contribute so it understands my accent better? And it's, that's not where this project is at the moment. And we are then ruling out um, those from that initial 30 phrases. The other things that we're doing in those metrics are um, flagging for presumed gender, um, presumed diagnoses, and uh, severity of their dysarthria, what type of dysarthria they have. And um, the other subsets of dysarthria. So we scale their phonation, respiration, prosody, articulation. Um, and so they can in the future, if it's helpful for the research team, be pulled based on those specific data sets. Okay. And um, how do you see the result of Project Euphonia benefiting people with dysarthria and other speech impairments, um, including the progressive neurological disease processes? I mean, broadly, I think that the use of AI in the world of AAC is only beginning to scratch the surface. I think there's a lot of potential here, and um, these research projects seemed like a very worthy beginning. Um, Right now, I, you know, I think from an AAC perspective, it takes quite a long time for people to write messages within AAC. It's very slow. And my goal is to try to maintain that spontaneity of communication. So uh, closing the gap between having an idea and wanting to express it with AAC. So um, people with a moderate 
sometimes even mild dysarthria are choosing to use text to speech, but they would often prefer to use their speech alone as their primary mode of communication. So, you know, we could imagine if speech recognition could understand them, it could then transcribe their speech and allow the listener to fill in any misunderstandings with sort of a closed captioning. Um, And you'll see that Tim Shaw is testing out that prototype in the um, YouTube series. Um, But not only for communication, a great speech recognizer uh, could help for writing, writing papers or engaging in social media or assisting people who have dysarthria but have learning disabilities or literacy issues. And um, finally, you know, uh, Julie mentioned too that use of the Google Home and smart home world. I mean, that'll open up. It feels to me in my life that voice access is becoming part of our life in our cars, in our homes, and uh, sort of everywhere on our phones. So making that um, accessible for everybody, it should work for everybody. So hopefully, if we can and get the variety of samples and the amount of samples, um, that's a possibility. That is, that's really exciting. Um, Because one of the things my husband loves to do is to get smart outlets and connect them to lamps or whatever, and then have um, our smart device, like turn them on and off with our voice commands. And then connecting that with our alarm system and activating that just remotely by voice. And, And then doing this whole elaborate thing. So at night, he just has one command and it shuts off all the lights and it turns on the alarm or like whatever, you know, like it cracks me up, but he loves integrating technology that way. And I can imagine that's where a lot of our homes and families are moving in the future. And I wouldn't want to just have that for people with clear speech. So that's really exciting. And the impact is huge for people that have any motor deficit. So if they're a wheelchair user or they're dependent for care at a bed level even, um, being able to change their TV and turn off the lights or answer a call or, you know, send an alert um, really opens up that smart smart home world. I think um, it's going to make a huge amount of gains for people with accessibility issues. Oh, absolutely. Anything that we can give people back more control over in their lives is a big win and a big improvement in their quality of life. So it's all kinds of wonderful ramifications. I love it. All right. Um, Katie, are you involved in, um, you did kind of mention this a little bit, any of the data collection, the analysis, the testing? Um, You talked about how you listen weekly to the samples and you kind of Um, put them in a mild or moderate to a severe category? Um, Anything else you do in that area? Um, So in terms of, you know, data collection, I, it's really up to the the public to sign up. I work in a facility where I have, I work with a lot of folks that have dysarthria. So I certainly assist my clients as needed as well. Um, You know, otherwise, in terms of data collection, I'm really just trying to spread the word for people to um, help their clients learn about the program and, um, you know, and and get more samples on board so we can make this product work. Uh, But on the data collection side, that's that metric of quality 
assurance is probably my only role there. And um, in terms of data analysis, that you know, it's the same. Most of the data analysis goes into the engineers' hands, and they really break it down into um, spectrograms and um, deep dive into those um, sounds. In, in terms of testing, there is something else that I'm involved in. Um, there is a small set, subset of people that I'm working with, two people that are um, trusted testers. So they have recorded the, the required or, you know, requested phrases, and then they're testing to see if the model works and how, if they recorded a few more phrases or custom phrases, would it perform better? You know, and each, right now, these models are personalized. They're not generalizable. So they're a very custom personalized model for, for us to learn about how, um, what are the steps or what are the amount of phrases required to really make a model work right now? And not only that, but we look at why, what would people do if they had a model? Um, so what are the use cases? Would they, would they want to take it to the grocery store? Is there a biggest obstacle when they're out in public and people ignore them? Um, would it break down a barrier to the public? Or is it because that all of their caregivers are English as a second language and there's a barrier beyond their dysarthria that this you know closed caption model could help them? Uh, there's or is it with Google Home and, and home automation? Um, the third obstacle I'm trying to learn about is um, any hardware additions. So do we need microphones? Um, does someone need a mount for their phone or are they able to hold it in their hand? And um, is there there's a discussion also with the user interface as a, in terms of are the buttons accessible? Does it need to be hands free? Should we have voice commands? You know, so there's a lot of this trusted tester relationship that um, we learn how to shape the project even further. That's really interesting. Thank you for diving into that and kind of showing how you're using some small cases to test out what could affect the whole project and then its eventual use for the public. So that's interesting. <laughs> I like that a lot. It yeah. is. It's really, um, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, in terms of, well, SLPs that want to get involved, I find that, or wondering if your clients want to get involved, um, I find it very rewarding. I find that they find it very rewarding. So the trusted testers or people contributing their speech samples, um, you know, my clients have a little bit extra time on their hands in their day to day, and they really appreciate being able to participate for something for the greater good, whether it means that they're going to have something that works for them right now. Um, I don't know. But the idea that this might be something for people like them in the future, they it is a really good sense of purpose that um, is hard to find sometimes when they're struggling with their, um, you know, my clients have a degenerative uh, disease. So it's a challenge and it's a benefit beyond even the scope of the project. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right. So um, my next question is, um, how do you see um, Project Euphonia's um, end product, future product, 
um, impacting SLPs in their practice and or maybe their recommendations for patients? Um, sure. So, I mean, I guess we've sort of said this many different ways, but for this to really work, we need more samples. So I really would love SLPs to, for that first step, to spread the word, uh, share information about the project, um, that it's a research project, and um, hopefully we can start gathering a, a really large variety of um, diagnoses and samples of a variety of types of dysarthria. So step one is it's not going to become anything if we can't get more samples. Um, but, you know, right now, our what we do with dysarthria is AAC and then compensatory strategies. So uh, the compensatory strategies are, are for the listener. We train people to slow down or over-articulate or, or compensate. But sometimes after years of therapy, people still have dysarthria and are still limited in terms of voice access. So, um, you know, if speech recognition were an option in there, we could still employ all of these compensatory strategies and practice them with a tool that would actually understand them. So, you know, we can hypothesize a variety of, of ways that this could be really useful, but, um, and it's, you know, in itself as, as a tool for AAC and, and AT, because it could be at their fingertips. You know, Google's so used to creating products that are on your phone or on, you know, available at sort of a best buy. They're not something that necessarily requires a speech pathologist to set you up with these things. So it would be a tool that would just be at your fingertips. You know, it would build, be built into your smartphone. It could be built into your, your smart home as we are head down that path in the future. Um, and then in terms of, you know, if this is an app to add to other useful apps that our clients have that in the future, that would be also another great tool to, um, as Tim Shaw was sort of prototyping, you know, maybe there is this option for closed caption uh, like Live Transcribe where it could subtitle someone's speech that's difficult for the public to understand. Those are all really excellent examples. And I like, I like looking into the future and I like looking at, you know, how our field is changing and evolving and shaping and how we can utilize um, products that are coming out into the world to help our patients interact with the world. Because a lot of times these um, processes um, that are affecting our patients tend to isolate them socially. And so any way that we can break down those barriers and get them back engaging in society and in whatever realm that they wish to is really exciting. So um, as we wrap up, uh, either from uh, Julie or Katie, what would be a final thought that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Well, I think the um, go to the g.co slash euphonia.com, um, send us uh, the survey, fill out the survey, tell us you're interested in the survey uh, and email me, you know, my, I'm sure my email will be added to the link for the podcast, but cburkay at google.com as a speech pathologist, just let me know your story 
tell me about your clients. Uh, After Asha, I sent out a request that people send me little selfie videos just because it does fuel the environment inside Google to hear the real life impact that this could have. So tell us your stories, uh, give us the use cases and... um, and then the also on that website is where your clients can sign up or you can help your clients sign up. So that's from me. Yeah, no, I agree with Katie. I think um, uh, visiting our website is a good start to learn more and also get in touch with us. Um, one thing I wanted to quickly mention is um, we're, we're working with, you know, uh, people who are willing to share their speech samples um, in in places in the US, in Canada, in the UK. Um, but one thing we're interested in is um, connecting with SLPs and individual, individual people with speech impairments that are maybe closer to um, where we're located here in, in California. Uh, so that's, you know, something if, 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 um, if some of you who are listening are, you know, interested and uh, interested in collaborating with Google and located in California, um, that's something we're we're currently, um, you know, very interested in and, and trying to make happen. So let us know if if you'd like to collaborate uh, more closely. All right, excellent. Well, thank you both so much for coming on the podcast and sharing about this really fascinating work that you're doing, and. Um, if we want to hear updates, where do you post um, information about how the project is going and what developments you're making and keeping us all kind of apprised of, you know, if there's changes in what you need coming down the pike, how can people keep up to date? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think the the best way is probably to do what um, Katie suggested, which is to fill out uh, the survey for SLPs on our website, on the Get Involved uh, tab of the site. Um, This will ensure that we have your email address. And then when we occasionally send updates about the project, uh, we'll we'll make sure to to, um, send them to you. Uh, So that's probably the best way. Uh, But we also make sure that our website information is up to date. Um, So yeah, either way is good. All right, well, perfect. Thank you both so much. Thank you you so much. I want to thank Julie and Katie for coming on the podcast and sharing their work with us. It's so incredible. And I hope you check out the show notes on speechuncensored.com where you can find links to the resources mentioned in the episode. I want you to get excited about next week's episode because Bridget Gunther is shedding some light on laryngectomy care. Bridget is a senior clinical educator for Atos Medical, a company that produces equipment for patients after total laryngectomy. And y'all, we're going to learn so much. I'm excited. Um, Okay, well, now I'd like to share a podcast review with you today. Listener Julie Gray wrote, So happy to find this podcast. I'm an undergrad, so I like to pour through all the podcasts out there to get a taste of the SLP world. There aren't many podcasts addressing adult populations. Your topics and guests are very interesting and well presented. Very high quality. Thanks. Well, I appreciate your kind words, Julie. I strive to bring value through an engaging and informative podcast, so I'm glad it's working. 
And I'd like to read other reviews on future episodes. So hop on over to Apple Podcasts and tell me your thoughts. In the meantime, I hope that the time you've spent listening has nourished your brain and your practice is flourishing. Till next time.